It is so good to be with you. Um, uh, happy Easter 2021 for Real Life Church family. We're, we're excited. Um, it, listen, it, as Roy's already mentioned, if you're new here, let me just let you know I, I don't drink that much coffee, okay? All right? I, I don't have Red Bulls before I get up here, but I am a very energetic person, and it has nothing to do other than the fact that I love my Jesus, and, uh, and I love what he's doing, and I love what he's doing in this place. And yeah, Jesus is worth celebrating. Yeah, that's why we're here. Come on, yeah. Let's definitely celebrate him. Um, but thank you guys for being here. Thank you for getting up this morning and, and, uh, and being a part of this incredible, incredible morning where we, one time a year, we set aside a particular day on Easter Sunday to celebrate a risen Lord, and he is he is definitely alive. Uh, now, a couple of you, I'm going to be honest with you. I know some of you are here uh, for a couple different reasons. Some of you are here because it's just what you do. Let's be honest. You're, this is, I'm, a, I'm a Christmas Eve and an Easter kind of guy, you know, and, and you know, church, church staff, a lot of the time identify you as sea and eater, sea and ears, you know, Christmas Eve and Easter peeps. And we, and look, we, we want you to be here. I mean, trust me, we, we love that you're here, but it's just tradition. It's just, it's just part of what we do. I'm here because of tradition and I'm checking that box and, and I'm good, I'm good to go. Now, some of you here, I know why you're here because you have a mom. And you have a, or a grandmother, right? And you don't want to be disowned in your family this morning. And so, so out of the laborious, like, oh goodness, you know, and, and knowing that a good lunch might be presented to you afterward, you put your pants on, you get up and you're like, yeah, let's, let's go, let's go to Easter. And so you're here because in order to appease mom and grandma and the family. And, and I love, you know, five minutes before you walk in, you know, the, the, the conversation that mom said, listen, everyone's going to be on their best behavior and we're going to love each other. You know, and it's, it's like red face and then you walk in, oh, hey, pastor. No, everything's great. It's fantastic. I, I know, I know, I know. But then there's some of you, man, let's be honest with you. You are here because you got a brand new outfit. You got the new digs, man. You're, you're like, listen, this is, uh, oh, this old thing? You know, I, I, yeah. It's, it's brand new and you're just coming off to show, show off and, oh no, this, this little thing. No, I'm not, I'm not bragging about hashtag humble brag on Instagram, right? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, this is, yeah, you know, and so you're just showing off and you want to, you know, get, I had 7,000 likes last year. Let's see if we can't up the ante this year, you know? And now some of you, some of you are here because, man, maybe you just had a bad week. Maybe you had a bad month. Maybe you had a bad year and, and you have all this, maybe this guilt, and, and so you're here to kind of help manage that guilt and, and you're, you're going to come in to alleviate some of the guilt that's currently on your heart and on your mind right now. And so you're coming into a place like this and I just, I want to feel better about me. So I'll walk into a place like this. But then some of you, some of you are here this morning and you really don't know why. Some of you maybe have gotten, got an invitation from a, a neighbor, a coworker, a family or friend, or maybe, maybe you came even solo and you walked into this place and, and to be honest with you, you're asking this question, why, why am I even here? What, what, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people and they're singing and they, they're acting kind of freaky uh, right now and I don't understand the church lingo that's being thrown around and, and it's, just, it's just weird, but I, I don't even know why I'm here. Can I just say one thing that I've learned over my years 
of walking with the Lord, there's nothing on accident. There's nothing on accident. God intentionally had you walk into this place uh, before the beginning of time. You may not see that. You may not understand that. But he, he had a plan for you to walk into this place, into this building, to possibly hear a message from a guy wearing a semi-pink shirt, okay, all right, and, and share with you a message that you think that you've heard a million times over. But can I just say, I think God has something new in store for you. I, I believe that sometimes God intersects with our life in moments and he offers us something unexpected. Something unexpected. And I, I love unexpected. I mean, unexpected is, is like when my wife said yes to me. Unexpected, okay, all right? Said, can you marry? And she goes, yeah. I was like, wow, that's unexpected, you know? And <laughs> it's a moment, all right? I mean, we have these unexpected moments. And, and honestly, sometimes those unexpected moments change the course of our life. Sometimes those unexpected moments change the course and the path maybe we've been following all of our, our life. But listen, for whatever reason you're here, God knows you're here, and there's a reason why you are here to hear something. So I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to pray. And I want to ask you, even if you're not religious or maybe you're a guest and you don't know what's going on, can I ask that you just join me in prayer? And here's what I want to say. You're like, Joel, I don't know how to pray. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask you to, ask you to do. All I'm going to ask is, is you to talk to this invisible person we call God and just say, God, would you show yourself to me? God, would you reveal yourself to me? Show me something unexpected. That's it. That's all, that's all I want to ask. And so I'm going to pray. And while I'm doing that, you say that. You can even say it silently in your heart. But I ask that you join me in this moment. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you and we invite you into this place. This place is not about us. It's not about um, any, any accomplishment. It's not about any fame. It's not about any glory. It's about a person. It's about a savior. It is about a, a God almighty Lord and, and savior who conquered all things to give us life. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would introduce yourself. Introduce yourself to some people that, that maybe know about you, but have never known you. So Jesus, I pray that you would make yourself known this morning in a way that they've never, that you've, they've never known you and they've never seen you before. Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. If you don't have it, it's okay. You can pull up it on your digital device. It's going to be up here on the screen here. Um, we're getting ready to go into a story um, in the book of Acts. And this is a great story. I, I love reading this story. And there's two primary characters in this story. There's a guy named Philip. Um, well, really three. Um, but there's a guy named Philip. And then there's an Ethiopian eunuch. Um, who's a treasurer of a very prestigious, uh, prestigious empire down in Ethiopia. And, and this story is, is really a, a story, uh, to be honest with you, I think we can kind of put ourselves, it's about just an average guy, just an average Joe, searching and asking questions that have never been answered otherwise. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me or you can follow up along one of the screens. Um, uh, if you choose to do so. But Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Let's look at this story about Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, I, I want you to go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
And so he started out and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over there and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, well, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of the scripture he had been reading was this. This is what he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated. He received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me something, was that was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So I love this story in Acts. These two primary characters, okay? So, so let's, let's start with Philip. Philip is this guy, and he's been in full-time ministry for a while, okay? He's been doing some incredible ministry. Actually, if you read a couple of verses prior to this, I mean, Philip has an incredible ministry. He's, I mean, he's, he's going out and he's doing these things, and I mean, sorcerers and people in witchcraft are laying down all of those things and beginning to follow the Lord. I mean, it was just great ministry. And if you're in ministry or know anything about that, you don't want to leave where good ministry is happening. You want to be right there in that, that spot and to see God moving in the way he's doing it. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, hey, Philip, listen, I need you to go to a road that's very less traveled. It's not a very popular road, and I need you to go there right now. And so Philip kind of goes, okay, and he, and he heads over to this road, and he comes across this caravan where this carriage is kind of heading back, back to Ethiopia. And all of a sudden, while he's walking next to this carriage, he hears this guy, this, this, this gentleman reading out loud from the book of Isaiah. So who's this Ethiopian eunuch? This Ethiopian eunuch, it's obvious he was a man of prestige. He was a man of money. You don't make a trip from Ethiopia, which is the, the northeastern side of Africa. You don't make a trip from there all the way up to Jerusalem unless you have some sort of sustenance. I mean, you have, you have position. This man had power. He was a treasurer. Um, it, literally, it was, he, was, uh, he kind of sat underneath the Queen of Sheba is, is what historians believe. And, and so he has quite a position and he is uh, uh, wealthy and he's got much. And so he makes this trip up there and he goes to Jerusalem. And I think it's funny that he goes up to Jerusalem because of all of his position, all of his power, all of his wealth, he still has these massive unanswered questions. And I'm just searching for answers. And I haven't been able to find it in my countryside. And so maybe this holy city of Jerusalem's got answers. And so he goes up and he goes into this synagogue because the only place you can get a scroll like that at the time was to go into uh, a synagogue at that point. And so he walks in and you can see he goes in there and maybe um, he, he listens to some guy teaching. 
maybe like this morning. And then, and then at the end, he, he walks out with this scroll. So, so let me use modern day language. Here's a guy, he's, he's searching. He doesn't know what he's searching for. He walks into a church and he listens to some guy talk about all these things that maybe he doesn't quite understand. And then he walks out with a Bible and he gets back into his vehicle and he starts heading home. This might be the, the, the story of our lives for maybe many of us even here this morning. And, and so he's heading back home and then all of a sudden he just starts reading. And, and maybe if you, you're like maybe some of us, you've kind of picked through the Bible and it reads about languages and places. And, and it's like, I don't even know what this means. And how is this, how does this hit me? How does this affect me? I know it kind of seems important, but I just, I don't, I don't understand it. And so all of a sudden God intersects Philip's life with this Ethiopian eunuch's life. And this eunuch says, hey, get on board here because you apparently know what's going on here. And, and he's like, do you understand what you're, what you're reading? He's like, no, I need someone to instruct me. And so they begin to kind of carry on in this journey. And Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch begin to have this conversation. And I love this conversation because I, I imagine how it might go. He says, he began to share the good news and I think that this news probably would have sounded something like this. Hey, there's this God, this creator at the beginning of time. And this creator, uh, he is God almighty and he lacks nothing. He has everything. He is complete in every way. He doesn't lack relationship. He doesn't lack love. He doesn't lack substance. He doesn't lack anything. He is complete. He is whole. He is perfect. He is completely satisfied with where he is and where and what he is. He has no beginning, no end. And in Revelation 22, it tells us that, verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. I am the bookends of all existence, of all time. I, I am the beginning and the end. That's what this God is. And, and then he goes on further and he says, now this creator in this moment decided to create because he can. And out of this love, because we understand when we understand who God is, he is the essence of love. And out of his character and out of his love, he decided to create and do something new. So he, he begins to speak. And as he speaks, all of a sudden this world kind of comes into existence. And then not only this world is all of a sudden these, these stars and these bright lights in the sky kind of come into being. And, and then he, then he throws some trees on there and, and then he throws some fish in that and some water and, and, and some animals and, and so on and so forth and the creepy crawly things. And, and man, he's standing back and he's, he's just kind of marveling at his own work. And, but then he does something different. He actually comes down to this to this world that he spoke into existence. And it, he goes, I want to create something special. And so it's the only thing that he used his own hands to make. And he digs his hands down in the clay and in the dirt. And he begins to form like some arms and some legs. And he creates what we call mankind, you and me. And man, this creator, he then takes this piece of clay, this, complete, this piece of dirt, and he he breathes life into it. He breathes life into it. And all of a sudden, 
for the first time, this creation comes into being. And this creation and this creator, guess what? Man, they're connected. There's intimacy because this creation is made in the image of its creator. He's designed in the same way. He, he has an emotional side. He has a mental side. He has a physical. It, 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 he is just, he is designed in the image of his creator. And so it's almost by his mere creation, he is imbued with value. All of us are imbued with that value. And you know what? Every day was a glorious moment because you know what? There was harmony. There was intimacy. And like our creator, we lacked nothing. We had perfect communion with this creator. It was incredible. It was utopia. It was paradise. And it says here that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God overlooked all he had made and he saw that it was very good. He basically steps back and he goes, that's incredible. That's incredibly good. Very, very good. And then in that same moment, he goes, but I don't want you to understand creation. Um, I'm a holy God. I'm a perfect God. And so he shares and imparts with them a standard of living. There's a standard of living. There's a, there's, a, there's a standard by which, because I am a holy God, I can't have anything less than holy in my presence. I can't have l- anything less than, than that which is required for my character and my person. I need something holy and perfect. And, and so here's my, here's my standard. Perfection, holiness, righteousness. That is my standard. And so he gives one rule, as we see here in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, he says, but the God, but the Lord God warned them. He goes, okay, here's my standard. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree, this one stand, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And you know what? Things were going well. And for however long, things were perfect and they loved each other and there was communion and there was no separation. But then one day, but then one day there was an adversary and his name was Lucifer and he took upon himself the form of a serpent. And this serpent um, began to speak a message of doubt in the ears of this creation, basically saying, hey, did God really say those things? See, that's how it always starts here. See, sin doesn't always go, hey, here's, here's some drugs, take some. No, it's usually is, 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 will that really hurt you? Is this really gonna be, see, they just, they plant these seeds of doubt until eventually, all of a sudden, you not only begin to look at it, you begin to desire it, and then you begin to want it, and then you begin to adopt it as part of your own. And that's what began to happen. All of a sudden, they got tired of being just heirs and subjects in a kingdom. They got tired of being prince and princesses in this glorious kingdom. They wanted to not just be ruled. They wanted to be rulers. And so Adam and Eve, in that moment, they decided to have their way instead of his way. And so we see here in Genesis chapter 3, things going bad. In verse 6 and 7, it says this, that the woman was convinced. She saw 
that the tree, man, it was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate it too. He was standing right there. And then she gave some to her husband who was standing right there. At that moment, it says, their eyes were opened. And here's where it goes real bad. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Can you imagine being perfect, being in absolute um, utopia and harmony with the creation and the creator, and then all of a sudden for the first time, feeling shame. I think everyone in here understands shame. I think everyone in here understands that guilt feeling, that guiltiness, that I am guilty, I am shameful for the decisions I've made, the things that I've said, and, 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 and it's just bad. It went bad, and, and in that moment, it didn't just separate man from God, it separated all of creation from God. See, understand this, sin does not only impact you. Sometimes we think that sin only impacts us. Sin is always collateral, always collateral. It always affects everybody around us. And in this case, it affected all of humanity for all time from that moment on. And so there's this huge fracture. There's this infinite chasm that is formed between the creator and the creation. No longer was there this intimacy. No longer was there this harmony. And, and Philip should be sh- is sharing this maybe with the Ethiopian eunuch. Go and understand this. You are now separated from your creator. You are separated. So that angst, that emptiness that you feel is that separation. Is that, is that I am completely unworthy to walk in to harmony with your creator. You know why? Because we have sin. Now at that point, it's perhaps one of those conversations that he had. And maybe he he was even sharing some of Romans. Hey, Romans, Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. You know why? Because we're children of, of Adam and Eve. We're children of our first parents. And so they gifted us this eternal consequence all the way down through history. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And he says, and you know the price tag for your sin? You know what it is? Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. So it's death. So all of a sudden we have this consequence of, of I'm falling short. I'm separated from my creator. And the only price that, can, that needs to be paid is death. Death entered the world, severing, fracturing our relationship with the creator. Ecclesiastes was written by the wisest man that ever lived was Solomon. In chapter 7, he says this, God created people to be virtuous. That's why he created us. But they have each turned to follow their own downward path. We're all there. We're all there. And so all of a sudden, Philip is having this conversation, and and maybe he turns to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he he says, look, if you don't get this first part, then you're not going to want the second part. If you don't understand that you're a sinner and you're broken in here, if you think you bring some goodness to the table, then this this second part's not going to make sense to you. In fact, you're not going to want this second part. If you think that you can contribute to your own salvation, if you think you can keep walking down the avenues, keep chasing down these paths that you always have and you think that that will get you there, then this second part really doesn't matter to you. You can actually tune me out right now. 
You can actually plan and think about what you're going to have for lunch when you walk out these doors. You can actually go home and live your everyday normal life as you always have, trying the same things that lead you to that place of exhaustion. And you're constantly coming up short every single time. You can do that even this morning. But, but if you dare, if you dare in this moment, in this moment to just give God this opportunity to hear the greatest news ever shared before, I believe it can be the most unexpected and joyous moment in all your life. It will change the course of your life. It will change the course of the way you think, what, you, what you're chasing after. All these empty dreams will all of a sudden be fulfilled with something so much greater than our own personal desires. You'll actually be reunited with the creator who put his hands all over you. And wants something so much more for you. Can you imagine the creation and the creator being brought back together? That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what this Ethiopian and Philip are having a conversation about. Because God loved us so much, he decided to make a way. He made a way for you and he made a way for me. And, and so all of a sudden we see in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writing this message. It says, but when the right time came... God sent his son. I love the first part of that verse. See, God's never, he's rarely early. He's never late. He's always on time. And in this moment, yeah, in this moment, God is on time. You are here on time. And this is what happened. God sent his son. So all of a sudden from creation at, at, in the garden, things were going well. Then things went south when they took the fruit and they defied God. I want to be a ruler. I want to be a king and queen. And in that moment, we even see here in the garden in Genesis, it says that that serpent was going to bite the leg of the man. And you know what? It was representation. It was prophetic, meaning, meaning the enemy He's going to get his licks in on you a couple times. But then, but then you know what it says? It says that the heel of the man will one day stomp the serpent, the head of the serpent, and it will die. It's going to die. And so all of a sudden, you see in that moment, the very first prophecy that God goes, I'm not done with you. And he begins to pull this thread of redemption all through history. And as you read in this book that you may not understand called the Old Testament, you read about people who get it right someday and then fail the next and then they get it right and they come, then they fall down again and, and they're, go, they're going to God and they're, then they leave God and then they go to God and then leaving God. And there's this thread going, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to fix what's broken. This is God's message all through the Old Testament. And he goes, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, but it's coming. It's coming. And then all of a sudden one day at just the right time god sends his son and it's called the incarnation and then god in human form begin begins to he, god almighty comes down in human form he takes upon himself the form of a servant this broken fleshly husk and he's a hundred percent god and a hundred percent man he's not absent of either and he becomes your substitute and mine and so this substitute 
says in Galatians 4, it says he was born of a woman. He was subject to the law, God's standard. And it says that God sent him to buy our freedom. You know why? Because the only one that can live perfectly is God. And God knew that. So he sent a son. And the only one that can buy freedom and purchase redemption is God. And so God sent his son to do what you and I couldn't do. This is why Jesus had to come. Not maybe, but had to come. This is the moment. This is the life that he he had to live in order to rescue and redeem us back. And so in this moment, if you were with us last weekend, we talk about the price that he paid in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, I'm utterly helpless. We are utterly helpless. And that's why Philip is talking to him. He's like, you got to be helpless. You got to know that you're sick before you need a cure. Okay. If you don't think you're sick, then you're never going to want the cure. The cure doesn't even make sense to you. But if you know that you're sick and if you know that you're a sinner, then guess what? This is the best news about a savior you could ever hear. And he says, Christ came at just the right time and died because the price tag for sin is death. And Jesus came, paid your price, my price, living perfectly. And now most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were saying, I don't want you, God. I hate you, God. I want my way. He goes, I love you and I'm coming anyway. I'm coming anyway. I don't care. Even when you don't want me, I want you. And I'm going to have you one way or another. And so Jesus comes. See, God came in human flesh and dwelt among us. And he turns to this, this, this Ethiopian eunuch, Philip, in this moment. And he goes, you know that lamb that you're reading about? The one that was slain? The one that, was, that, was, that died and, and was separated from the future and was separated from any hope, separated from any legacy. You know that lamb that, that, that had a se massive separation? That lamb, his name is Jesus. And you know what that, that lamb did, his being Jesus? He gave you now a future. He gave you now a hope. You don't have to be separated. See, what you don't understand is, is everyone in this room, including myself, we're the Ethiopian eunuch. We're the ones that are separated, severed from God. We have no future. We have no hope. We have no legacy. See, he laid all those things down when he became a eunuch. So he has nothing to look forward to other than the present. He has no family to look forward to. He literally is cut off, pun intended, okay? And he is literally separated from everything. Just like we are separated from everything. But then God, but then God made a way. And at that point, maybe the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip and he goes, hey, I've studied religion for a long time. I've checked out a lot of other churches. What makes, what makes this Jesus any different? What makes him any different than what you're talking about? Because I know there's a lot of other religions out there and there's a lot of other deities out there and all that kind of stuff. And, and maybe Philip in that moment goes, you're right. You're right. You know what? Jesus died. You're absolutely right. Jesus died. And you know what? Buddha died too. And, uh, and, and you know what? Muhammad died. 
as well. And, and Joseph Smith died as well. And Confucius and, and any other religious or, or wise leader you could possibly think of. Guess what? They all died. And, and I can stand here and I can, can try to convince you um, uh, that uh, there's a mound of evidence of why Jesus is who he said he is. I can give you all the evidence to support why he's a great miracle worker. I can give you all the evidence that he is the greatest first century documented person in all of history. And I can give you a mound of evidence, uh, if you're an evidentialist this morning, to support that very fact that Jesus is those things. And, and I, can give you, I can give you archaeological studies, and I can give you all these historians that have said all these things. But let's, for the moment, let's push all those aside. Do you know what separates Jesus from all these other people? I'm going to tell you this morning. It's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we do Easter. Because if Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7 is true, then you get to experience a hope that you don't deserve. And this is exactly, yeah. This is exactly right here. If this isn't true, then, then Christianity, we're selling you a bill of goods. Doesn't even matter. We're selling, you, we're selling you a religion that's just like all the other religions. But if this is true, and it is, then you have something more eternal, more hope-filled than you could ever imagine. And this is what it says this morning. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone ha had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive. He's not here. He is risen from the dead. He's risen. Re remember, what, remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but that he would rise again. Do you remember that message? That he would rise again three days Later, see, the difference, my friend, as Philip is talking, and my di the difference that I'm sharing with you is, is, yes, Jesus died and all these men, but you know what? Muhammad, he's still dead, and Joseph Smith is still dead, and, and Confucius is still dead, and the 330 million gods that the Hindus serve and put their hope in, they are dead. They bring nothing to the table. Do you know what separates Jesus from the rest is that no one rise from the dead but God Almighty and his name's Jesus that that is the good news he rose see no one conquers sin no one conquers death but God and Jesus Jesus rising from the dead was his heavenly father's stamp of approval saying listen um everything my son said is true. You know why? Because uh, he just rose from the dead. Do you know everything he did is true because uh, he just rose from the dead. Uh, everything, he, everything he said, he taught, everywhere he went, all of it is true. You know why? Because God rose from the dead. That is exactly what Jesus did. And so this morning you, like maybe this Ethiopian eunuch, started out, you don't know why you're here for whatever reason. 
and you walked in this morning and you were half a man and you were half a woman and you're half a son, half a daughter, half a husband, half a wife. You are half the person that you were designed to be. But when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried in a tomb and then all of a sudden the tomb, literally the stone was rolled away and God conquered death and sin all of a sudden from the very beginning of the garden he finished what he started he says i'm not done with you i've given you a hope to reconnect this glory relationship between the creator and the creation and this ethiopian eunuch is probably just astounded because he goes i've had no future my whole life i've had nothing to look forward to i have no family i have no descendants i have nothing and this man did the exact same thing and he gave his life so that i could have a future i could have a hope i could have descendants upon descendants upon descendants and so all of a sudden we are brought into this glorious family together not because we earned it not because we deserve it because we're constantly stiff-arming god but because he loved us and he offered it to us this is our jesus this is our god and this is what is being offered to us on an easter sunday morning in acts chapter 2 verse 21 it says this but everyone that calls on the name of the lord will be saved just like philip was calling the ethiopian to repent and believe step into something unexpected this morning family step into something unexpected this morning i'm telling you it'll change your life it'll change your world it'll change your existence it will change your eternity you actually have hope to look for and once you're in god's hand nothing can remove you nothing can remove you you belong to him romans 10 verses 9 through 10 says this if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with god and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved be made complete today let christ finish what was started in the garden from the beginning of time today is the day of salvation he is calling you right now there was a man by the name of c.s lewis he was a theologian and an author and it was at this very point of conversion he made this quote and i love this quote he says this he goes he goes i thought in all my endeavors all the avenues i chased down i would come to a place i would come to a solution and figure out all these emptiness empty things that i'm feeling but i found out that it actually come to a person and that is who you've come to and that is who is introducing himself to you this morning. His name's Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Are you ready to be new? Because a risen Lord can do something new in you, something unexpected that you couldn't do. We celebrate a risen God because he is alive. He's no longer dead. And before you know Christ, you were spiritually dead. And he goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to breathe new life. He can actually do a work of creation in your heart and in your life right now if you let him. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the, the, the entire church body, just, just bow your heads, close your eyes right now. Again, I don't know why you're here. And the truth is, is I don't need to know why. I know you're here for a reason. And so I want to introduce you to this 
God-man named Jesus who gave his life for you, who conquered sin, who conquered death, and he's the only, thing, the only person in existence that can do something with your heart and your life if you let him. And so this is on you right now. God is giving you this invitation. Don't fear, don't fear away from it. Step into it. There's no one else around you. Because one day when you stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's going to go, why should I let you into my kingdom? Some of you may say, well, I, I, I did a lot of good things and I, I, I tried to be nice to other people and, and God's going to shake his hands and he's going to say, no, no. Depart from me, I never knew you. But, but I went to church every day and I, and I, I threw some money in the bucket and, and I went on mission trips and, I, and, and isn't that good enough? And God the Father is going to go, no, no. But then there's some of you that are just going to walk up to God when he asks that question, why should I let you into my kingdom? And you're going to say, you shouldn't. I'm just a sinner. And in that moment, I want you to know, all of a sudden, you know what? A savior named Jesus stands in front of you and says, Father, this one's with me. This one belongs to me. I paid his price, Dad. I paid this price. I died. I rose again. And his name is in this book of life. This one is with me. And God the Father, all of a sudden, when he looks at you, no longer sees you. He sees perfection. He sees righteousness. He sees holy holiness. And he sees it imbued upon you because of his son. That's what Jesus did for you. And all you have to do is believe. Believe on the, the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So if you want to know Jesus Christ this morning, you can say this silently in your heart or you can say it out loud. It doesn't matter because this is an eternal decision only you can make. No one can make it for you, only you. So if you want to know Jesus, you can say this in, in your heart by repeating after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm lost. I've tried everything and I keep failing. I need a savior. I need you. I believe that you died for me. You paid my price of sin. You paid my death. You were buried in my tomb. I believe that you didn't stay dead though. I believe you rose again because you're God. And I don't know why, but you love me. Save me, Jesus. You're the only one Thank you, Lord. Praise you for all that you've done. Change me forever. In Jesus' name.